0: Hello again, ladies and gentlemen, Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you Chapter 5 of Hunter Hunted Hybrid Wars. As always, I do hope you would like retelling this tale of the uh, currently ongoing fanfiction that I'm still writing. As always, if you can like, share and subscribe to it wherever you can, and leave feedback either at places like fanfiction.net, archiveofyourown.org, or even at my own website, ghostnobody.com. All your comments and, subscri- and uh, suggestions are always welcome. I always love seeing what you guys have got to say. And if you do pop over to com, check out Storm Rider while you're there. You know, if big surly sexy dragoness girls, demons, orcs, elves, and a whole realm filled with magic and undead is your thing, check it out. think you'll enjoy And also while you're there, pop over to the ghostly links section. Check out Mortis, my original novel. Pick up a copy from either Amazon or from Smashwords. Help support me and keep me doing what I love. Bringing unlikely alien romance tales to you, good people. So, without any further ado, let's get on with the show, shall we? Oh, first, the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own AVP or anything to do with it. It's all the realm of their own property and studios. I just own all the huntresses. They're all mine. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 5 Diplomatic Immunity. Jack woke up and stepped back from Selena. Raising, releasing her head as he did, and the large serpentina's female shook her head as if to kind of clear cobwebs from it. And he saw a large slit-like pupils dilating as her consciousness realigned itself. Any luck? Annalise's voice snapping Jack's mind back into reality. Jumping into and out of someone's mind really could be quite disorientating. Yeah, actually, I did. This here is Selena Diamond Scale. She's a diplomat of the Serpentinus people. She was on a diplomatic mission when her ship was attacked by the Scalathor pirates and she was taken hostage, most likely for some kind of ransom. It seems the races really don't get along all that well, or at least the Scalathor and Draconis don't. So they handed her over to this bribe-free-to-crew here and they were to transport her to a drop-off point when they themselves got ambushed by assailants unknown. So now that leaves us with a question. Was the target killing the crew or actually robbing them? And if that's the case, why just leave all the rest of the cargo? Why not take the ship? Jack said. Annalise just shrugged. Hope maybe we'll find the answer on the bridge. Um, any chance of any luck with her language? She asked and Jack nodded, reaching up and touching the side of her head, causing Annalise's eyes to brighten and mirror his own in colour for a moment as what he had learned of Selina's language was transferred to her. Dream Warrior memory transfer was an incredibly useful talent. It not only allowed them to spread knowledge and experiences among each other without any ambiguity of description, they simply lived them as if they were the owner of the original memory did. But it could also be used in that way that Jack was using now, to transfer language from one person to another. So now the, the two of them were could be able to understand what she was saying Plus Jack had left Selina with the knowledge of how to speak English, which, even if she couldn't truly speak it, she'd be able to understand what was being said to her. Plus now there were two dream warriors capable of transferring languages to others. Selina rose up to her full height and sat on her coiled tail section and looked right at them. All right, let's get you out of those restraints, big girl, Jack said, turning his attention to the large serpent girl. She nodded and offered up no resistance as Jack used his own plasma cutter to break the restraints. Once free, Celia slowly and stiffly unwound herself. and Suddenly they got a real look at just how truly massive she actually was. Her coils would easily fill the room if she wasn't so tightly wound. She had to be at least 20 feet head to tail tip. Her tail section was as thick as a decent sized tree trunk. And Jack could see solid pure muscles rippling and undulating along under her glass smooth green scales. Thank you, Jack Mason. You would not believe how much a relief it is to be able to finally stretch my tail, Selia said surprisingly in English. It appeared the language transference had stuck, and it also appeared that her vocal cords were complex enough to be able to recreate the sounds of their language though it did give her a rather interesting accent, to say the least. She seemed to really draw out the sounds of S's, like a pleo-cliché, which really made Jack smile, as he realised she actually sounded exactly what she'd imagined she'd sound like before he spoke to her. You're welcome, Celia. OK, follow us, we'll take you back to our shuttle. You'll have to wait there with the Draconis male we rescued while we, while we rescue the rest of the ship before we transport you back to our ship, where you'll get some comfortable quarters, along with some hot food, Jack said. And Slea smiled an oddly pleasant smile. At least her variant of her species didn't appear to have fangs. But then there were those that probably would be rather creeped out by a to smile when they drew up their mandibles. Though to Jack seeing his wife's smile was always his happiest moments. Well, apart from seeing her pulling the Ejuta version of an Ahahego face and knowing he was the cause. "'Hello, Celia. My name is Annalise. I'm a member of the Tamer section of the Seekers, and this here is Zed. Don't let his looks fool you. He's actually a sweetheart,' the young human Tamer said, stroking the big fire tiger's head as he leaned into her and looked adoringly up at his mistress.' Celia cocked her head and looked at her. You are a female of your species, correct? She asked, and Annalise nodded in affirmation. Yes, and Jack here is a male, Annalise said as the big snake girl moved forward to examine her closely. You are small for a female. Is there something wrong with you? Celia asked so bluntly that it took both Jack and Annalise back. But then she did have kind of a point, really. A great many species had females. as larger of the two genders. In fact, it was only really mammals that seemed to have the opposite to this rule. Well, generally, anyway. It was certainly true of the Yejuta, and by her reaction, it must be true of Selya's species as well. And given her knowledge of the other races of her strata, it must be true of the other three too. No, males are generally bigger in my species. No more capable, really. But they are stronger. But females are more flexible and agile so it tends to even out when it comes down to it. Though when it comes to dream warriors, we're about the same. Though Jack here is our leader and the most powerful of all of us by far, Lee said, making Salir look at him curiously. You have an interesting society. I would very much like to learn more about your kind, Slea said and Jack nodded. And we'd be happy to answer all of your questions. Trust me, we have a few of our own for you too. "'But let's get this place secured and find out what's going on here first. "'That can wait,' Jack said, gesturing to the doorway. and Celia nodded in agreement. "'But before he could turn, she leaned down close to him "'and flicked a very long, thin, tongue, forked tongue out at him, "'like she was tasting the air around him, making him jump. "'Rather than to explain, she just cocked her head and smiled at him "'like it required no explanation. "'Watching Celia slither along the ground was rather interesting.' She held the humanoid part of her body well above the ground as her tail section held her up and propelled her along. Looked kind of counterintuitive method of movement really but she managed to make it look both surprisingly graceful and fluid as she slithered along next to them as they headed out of the cell exits. That's when she caught sight of one of the Ejuta hunters that had accompanied them and she got all curious again. Jack and Lee's transferred the language to all of the hunters so that they could understand her, and while they did that, she moved themselves around them, looking like she was going to wrap him in her coils. Jack saw him glance at him for instruction on what to do to politely fend off the curious serpentine girl. Before Jack could say a word, Celia spoke. "Are you different from a human?" she asked, and the hunter shook his head, as he leaned in. She leaned in, trying to see him through her helmet's visor. No, I'm a Yejuta. We're a totally separate species, but we're members of the same clan. The hunter, called Treven, said. Clan? Is that like a family? She asked, moving close enough to his helmet that her tongue actually flicked over his visor, leaving marks on it. Sort of. It's a bit more extended and more complex than that, though. He said, obviously trying to search for a way to best explain it to her. Basically, it's based off a Yejuta hunting clan. And put simply, a clan is a collection of families and individuals grouped together for mutual benefit, united by their beliefs. But in ours, it's made up of multiple unrelated species and is more complex. But that's a rather simplistic way of explaining it, Jack said. Slea turned to face him again, uncoiling him from around then and moving back to him. Seems she really didn't understand personal space all that well. Celia barraged them with questions as they escorted her back through the ship towards where their shuttle was docked. Liam must have heard them talking as they came down the corridor because he appeared in front of them. And Celia stopped dead in her tracks and Jack saw her tense up and puff herself up. A threat response, maybe? Don't worry, Jack. Don't worry, Celia. This is Liam. He's another of our human dream warriors. The large handsome a hybrid behind him is my son, Ryan leader of the Tamen section of the Dream Warriors, Jack said, and Ryan appeared behind Liam, and even behind his visor Jack saw his eyes widened as he took in the huge serpent female before him. Your son? Then your mate is one of the Yezuta race. Is she your slave? Slayer asked, and Annalise snorted a laugh, causing Sleer to look at her curiously, and with a hint of what looked like annoyance in her golden eyes. I would love to see what would happen if someone would try to enslave my blooded, beloved wife. No, scratch that, I have seen it. It wasn't a good day for them. I'm pretty sure the ones that survived are to this day still trying to deta- dig their detached limbs out of various bodily orifices. Jack said. What did she say? Somehow get the feeling it was about Matriarch, Ryan asked. And Jack laughed this time and nodded. She wondered if... You were my son because Tick was my slave, Jack said, and Ryan snorted a laugh, making Slayer look even more annoyed. Well, forgive me for not knowing the complex nature of your society, she spat angrily, and Jack realised she really didn't like being laughed at. She was scowling at them and she had her arms folded over a surprisingly ample chest. My apologies, Slayer. It wasn't my intention to offend you, and we weren't laughing at you. Simply the idea of my beloved wife being a slave to anyone. If you knew her, and when you meet her, you'll truly understand what we found funny. Let's just say there's not a person alive who could subjugate my beloved wife. But to explain for you, in our society, all members of the clan are equal. There's a leadership hierarchy, of course all members of the clan itself are free to make their own choices and lead their own lives. We don't believe in restricting love based on species, gender or even to a degree, age, with the obvious exception of children. So in our clan you're free to fall in love with anyone free of judgement. And if they love you too, then you're golden. So a man can love a woman or a man, a human can love a Uj- human or a juta or a xenomorph of either gender, Jack explained. Selina seemed to calm down as her curiosity took back over. Genuine surprise seemed to have painted itself over her features. Both Jack and Annalise stepped forward and with a simple movement they transferred the Serpentina's language to both Ryan and Liam so they could understand her now as well. You mentioned xenomorphs. What are they? Selina asked as she watched the memory transfer take place. That is when it hit Jack. She didn't understand Xeno, so she stepped... He stepped forward and gestured for her to come down to him. She looked confused, but did so. And he touched her head and pushed the Xeno language into her mind. Granted, they were telepathic, and this could usually be done by a queen. But dream warriors had received the kiss directly from a queen could forge this mental bond as well. Once done, he pointed into the large cargo container beyond Ryan and Liam. They are, he said, indicating the battle angel's hard at work on the bodies of the dead crew. One of the battle angels noticed them and scurried over to get a look at the huge and new utterly horrified serpent girl who now clocked the skin-dead bodies. But by the great tree! As much hatred as I held for this crew, nobody deserves to die like this! Slayer exclaimed, looking like she was about to be sick. Here, come, lean on me. Company back to the shuttle bay, Lady Slayer. And we'll get one of our battle angels to check you over. Liam said, stepping forward and taking the large serpentine woman's arm. But rather than flinch out of his grasp, she allowed him to lead her away towards the hatch, where one of the battle angels was dealing with the Draconis male. Jack turned to Annalise. "'All right, let's head for the bridge if we're going to find out what's happening here. "'That's where we're going to find it,' he said, and she gave a nod and fell in step with him along with some of the hunters. "'The main bridge itself wasn't hard to find.' It was really the only place left they had to check. Following the maze of corridors, they finally reached the freighter bridge. The bridge itself was much smaller than the Dreamer's Bridge, having only three seats, one in the centre of a circular room, which obviously belonged to the captain. The other two were directly in front of it, forming a kind of triangle shape between the three. One obviously would have been the pilot's seat, and the other was probably the comms and sensors. But as to which was which was anyone's guess, really. They still hadn't truly deciphered the language yet. Seeker 1 to the Dreamer. We've reached the bridge. So far we've recovered two survivors from the ship. Not the crew though. One slave and one prisoner who was being held hostage. Two separate species it seems. Rather than find a single new species. We've found four different species. All born of the same world originally. And seem to have split off. Oh and me and Seeker 3 met their deity. A talking tree. Over, Jack said. Did you just say a talking tree? Over, Jet Tick's surprised voice exclaimed. Yep, it's called the Great Tree and it wants our help to try and save its people. Though it seems to believe that they're a threat to themselves. There's a lot more to explain than I can go over over the comms. We're going to try and crack into the computer and see if we can download the logs and star charts. But the question remains here, what do we do with the ship? We're just going to leave it here or take it back into our space, or we're going to destroy it. Or do we try and take it back to the Scallothorn and just hope they don't misunderstand our intentions? Over, Jack said. Tick was quiet for a moment before coming back to him. If someone's trying to frame my people for murdering the crew, then we need to tread very cautiously. Maybe the person who is being held hostage could shed more light on it. Did she shed any light on who killed the crew? Over. Tess asked. No, nothing. She heard it happen, though. The people have the ability to hear through their skin by sensing the vibrations in the ground. She's called Diamond Diamondscale and her people are called the Serpentinus. She's an ambassador for her people, so she should have some good insights into making first contact with the other races when it comes down to it. If you want, I can have Seeker Forebringer and the Draconis Slave over while we wait here. Over, Jack said. Seemed to mull this over before coming back to him. No, I think it would be best to bring you all back together. The pair should be on the shuttle, f- okay? On the shuttle for the f- time being. They got seeker four and the battle angels taking care of them. See if we can get through from the computers, and we'll make a decision on what to do. So far, I'm leaning forward to destroying the ship. If these people are taking slaves and hostages, I'm inclined to believe the goods they're transporting were either ill-gotten. Or bought with the proceeds of blood money. And I don't believe anybody should be able to profit from either piracy or slavery. Hunter 1, out. Tick said and Jack shut down the comms. Wow, the Grand Matriarch sounds pissed. Annalise said looking at Jack and he nodded. My beloved one really hates both slavery and hostage takers. Especially after what happened to our son where a previous clan put him through a trial by combat after taking it as a kind of hostage after discovering his lineage as both human and Yejuta. Even to this day, that kind of bigotry still exists, Jack said. Annalise nodded and looked at Zed thoughtfully as she rubbed his large furry head. Sometimes I forget what's going on in the universe at large, having grown up in the clan. So easy to take it for granted how good we have it as children of Clan Mason. Annalise said and Jack smiled you know that actually makes me happy in an odd way because it means we succeeded in what we were trying to achieve with our society a peaceful place away from the rest of the universe born of love and freedom and by the looks of it that's what we actually achieved Jack said and Annalise nodded in complete agreement Jack turned to Shenna alright Shenna your guys are up let's see what we can get from the computer shall we he said and Shannon nodded and took two of her hunters over and one of, to one of the terminals and began to unpack decryption equipment. As they began to work, Jack decided to see if he could pull a commune here. He moved to the captain's chair and noticed a rather large hole in the back of the chair, which was obviously for their tails to fit through while they were sitting. He sat down wondering to himself what the chairs for Serpentinus would look like. Would they even have chairs or furniture like they knew it? You doing a commune? Do you need any help? Anne-Lise asked, and Jack glanced at her. Being a tamer, this was kind of outside of the realm of her talents, really. But Annelise was always determined to learn what she could, and even though she couldn't initiate a commune on her own, she could actually join a soul night if they initiated one and allowed her to connect to them. Not this time, kiddo. I need you to be watching my back. I. Jack began, but before he could even finish his sentence, alarms began blaring and red lights began flashing, causing their night vision to flare. "'Report!' Schenner exclaimed, looking at the two hunters working on the computer. "'We tripped some sort of virus. "'They booby-trapped something in here, "'but we can't read enough of this code "'to tell where the hell it's coming from.' One of the hunters exclaimed, working furiously at his virtual keyboard. "'It's no good!' This damn thing's like a fucking Hydra program. Every time I isolate one of them, two more pop up and it's invading everything. Oh shit, I can't be 100% sure, but I think it's trying to overlay the hyperdrive. The second hunter exclaimed, Unplug now, everyone out, we're getting the fuck out of here. Jack yelled and both hunters yanked their connectors back as Jack triggered the comms. Everybody, abandon ship, back to the shuttle right fucking now. The ship's gonna blow. Seeker wanted Dreamer, back to a, up to a safe distance, the hypercore's going critical, Jack yelled before shutting the comms down. Knowing Tick would only argue with him. It seemed that the virus trapped had unleashed triggered a cascade of epic proportions, which had triggered just about every single ship or system on the ship, sending the whole thing batshit crazy. Doors opened and closed at random speeds, some didn't open at all. Lights flashed on and off in a sensory breaking strobe effect. Not to mention the whole ship seemed to be coming apart at the seams as the thrusters fired. They could hear muted explosions from deep inside the ship. Everyone made sure their suits were shielded, which Annelies did for Zed as well. As they got slammed into the ceiling after the gravity began to reverse on them, they actually activated their magnetic boots, which while they slowed their running down, at least they got stuck to the floor. But even despite the whole shipquake shaking the whole place, managed to finally make it back to the shuttle where they found Liam at the controls trying to hold the shuttle in place so that the seal didn't break free. Are we the last ones? Everyone sound off! Jack yelled and everyone called back revealing that everyone was aboard, plus their new acquisitions. Slayer was clinging to the back of the pilot seat as she tried to look over Liam's shoulder while their draconis friend had rolled himself into a ball and was wailing in fear. He was being comforted by one of the battle angels. But no sooner did he set eyes on Annalise, he grabbed onto her and refused to let go. So she sat him down and tried to reassure the young, terrified male by stroking the back of his horned head like she had in the bathroom. Liam, seal us up, detach us and get us the fuck out of here. Jack yelled and Liam did just that. Swinging the shuttle around and hauling us back towards the dreamer. And as it turned out, they made it just in time. They'd only been flying for a total of ten seconds before the ship exploded a fireball behind them. Explosions in space aren't like they are in the movies. It was totally silent. There was a bright flash and a blast wave that began chasing them as the hypercore from the ship's hyperdrive went critical and exploded with enough power to make a nuke look like a firecracker. Hold on to your ass, Taylor, what the fuck else you got? Here it comes! Liam yelled and everybody braced for impact before gravity seemed to ex- cease to exist. They got tossed around in like an empty can raiding a hundred foot wave. Sparks exploded out of panels all around them as their shielding and armour fought against the pressure wave assaulting them from all directions until it as aggressively and suddenly, as it started, it stopped. Jack felt like a ball bearing that found itself tossed into a blender on full chalk. Ugh, sound off. Is everyone still alive? He said before, as he tried to raise himself from the floor. Everyone had been pretty much strapped in, so they were okay. The only ones that weren't were the four Seekers and their two new friends. Well, one new friend, as it looked like Annalise had managed to get the young Draconis strapped in before the shit had hit the fan. And they seemed to have some sort of role reversal moment, as now she was upside down in his lap, with Zed piled up on top of both of them though by the thumbs up she gave, he knew she was okay. Shannon had managed to grab hold of her husband and stopped him from bouncing around the metal like a metal pinball in the cabin like his father. But, looked like the muffled cry from the cockpit, Liam had it much worse, as he now appeared to be buried under a mound of scales and coils. It looked like Celia had been pitched from, into the front and buried him under a large mass. You both okay over there? Jack said, standing up and addressing them as they tried in vain to disentangle themselves. A thumbs-up appeared from between Slayer's large coils, indicating that Liam was okay. And a moment later, a second one appeared as Slayer copied Liam. With a bit of help from Jack, Liam managed to disentangle the embarrassed serpent woman from Liam's lap, and she scurried herself back into the cabin and perched herself next to the seats. And by the look on her face and body language... Holding her arms tight clamped over her chest and her tightly clamped jaw, Jack could see she was both deeply embarrassed and mortified about something. Report, Jack said looking at Liam who was furiously mashing buttons on the controls. Most of the systems are down or just totally toast. We've lost shields, weapons, drive, we're utterly defenceless and adrift. And to boot the main comms relay is down as well, Liam said. The suit comms were tied into this relay to allow them to broadcast to the Dreamer in real time. The suit comms would still broadcast, but now there would be a delay. But at least that was better than nothing. Seeker 1 to the Dreamer. We survived the blast, but we're dead in the water. Comms relays toast. Broadcasting in the dark. We require pickup. Out, Jack said. 30 seconds, a reply came back. Roger that, my love. We're on our way. Hold on both worried and determined voice said. Okay, people, pickup's coming. Jack said no sooner did he said it than a shadow washed over them, as the dreamer pulled up over the top of them. There were two sharp clanks as the grapple attached magnetic clamps to the hull, and they were towed into the shuttle bay. Once it was dropped onto the deck plate, Jack began pumping the hatch release as the automatic release wasn't working, and by the time he actually got it open, Tick appeared like a phantom out of thin air and reached into the shuttle and yanked him out of it into a tight embrace. "'I'm all right, my love. I'm okay. We all are,' Jack said soothingly as he lowered his helmet so she could clamp his face in her mandibles and kiss him deeply. "'You scared the living daylights out of me, my love,' she exclaimed, and no sooner had Ryan taken a step to the doorway than it was his turn for worried, huggy-tick treatment, as she grabbed him into a tight hug and lifted him off his feet.' Shanna stepped out behind her husband and grinned at his fate as he squirmed and tried to freeze himself from his mother's death grip. That's when he saw another face peeking out behind her and Jack smiled. He reached out and touched his wife's face and with a flash he transferred the serpentinous language into her mind and Tick looked at him oddly, letting Ryan go now and seemed to be having problems breathing. Tick Elith Mason, may I introduce Ambassador Diamond Diamondscale of the Serpentina's people. Diamond Diamondscale, may I proudly introduce Tick Elith Mason of the Proud people and my loving wife and grand matriarch of Clan Mason, Jack said as the Serpentina's female slithered herself out of the damaged shuttle hatch and drew herself up before Tick, who looked up at her in surprise. But Tick being Tick, she went into full diplomat mode. It's very good to meet you, Ambassador, and I welcome you aboard the Dreamer, flagship of Clan Mason, Tick said, first saluting in the Ejude tradition, before offering her a handshake in the human tradition, which both of which Celia looked confused by. It is an ooman gesture, sign of friendship and trust, Tick explained and Celia looked at the hand and stuck out hers in the same way. Tick did, but didn't take it but still managed to look surprised as Tick clasped it and shook it. I thank you for the warm welcome, Grand Matriarch Tick Aleph Mason. Tick smiled warmly and nodded. Please, call me Tick, or if you prefer more formal, Tick Aleph. She said, and Celia nodded. Thank you. Then I ask you to call me Celia. Um, may I ask why you refer to your husband's species as ooman? I thought they were called human. Sally asked, puzzled, and Jack laughed. "'It's OK, it's just the way the Yejuta pronounce it. "'Much to say is the same way as Jack, as Tick calls me Ak "'It's because she has problems saying the letter J in the human alphabet,' "'Jack said, and Tick smiled and nodded in agreement. "'It is as my beloved husband says. "'Though my accent is not half as funny as listening to him speaking Yejuta. "'His accent is hilarious.' Dick said with a playful grin aimed at her husband, and Jack just laughed. "'Hey, it was in my defence, I don't exactly have mandibles to help me pronounce most of it. "'I have to bloody click my teeth together,' he said, and Tick laughed. Celia so looked at them curiously and then smiled. "'I can see this, as your husband said, that your species are equals. "'And I can see this is true of your genders as well. "'This is refreshing to see that this is the more accepted way of things in the greater universe.' A part of me had feared that it could be like the Scalathor and Draconis way of doing things, where their males are oppressed to the point of being nothing more but abused slaves, much like this poor individual behind me. It breaks my heart and infuriates me to know that my species and theirs were born of the same world, and yet their attitudes never evolved beyond the old days, when males were nothing more than property, she said. "'So your society is matriarchal, then?' Dick asked and and tilted her head curiously. "'Somewhat, but only because we outnumber our males four to one. "'Males on both my world and that of the raptorians are much rarer than us females, "'but we embrace this difference and protect our males. "'It's worse for the raptorians as their species is born roughly eight to every one male, "'but they still do not oppress them.' Males on both of our worlds are afforded the very same rights as any female is. They can do any job, and can even rule territory, In some, which in some territories they do just that. And it is something we are very proud of. I'm very glad and ha- happy to see that this is a universal standard of way of doing things, Celia said. Looking around very curiously at the others around them who had wandered over to look at the newcomers. While Celia seemed to be talking of all his curiosity in her stride, the young Cornis was obviously frightened by it all, and was clinging to Annalise, who was trying to comfort him gently. Jack could see his bright eyes darting around at all the strange faces peering in at him. He folded his whale wings and his tail protectively around himself as he clung to Annalise's arms. Annalise, take our friend there to the medical bay. Get him checked out. Jack said and she nodded and gently led him away. Two battle angels falling in step with her as they went along with Zed. If we may, Slea, I'd like to make sure you haven't suffered any injury or ill effect from your time in captivity. I'd like to take you down to our medical bay and have our doctors check you over as well. Wouldn't be very gracious hosts if we did not ensure the very well, well-being of our guests. It's also standard procedure for our soldiers to be checked over by doctors after a mission. Doubly so, like one like this, countering a new species, we have to be sure that we're not carrying anything that would be harmful to you and vice versa. Jack said softly, and Slea nodded. He did in a circular motion with his hand, and the whole complement of hunters and reigning seekers and battle angels fell into step with him, as he and Tick led them led the way. The Dreamers' medical bay was state of the art. And there had been a very close collaboration between the hives of Queen Zara and Citrus. Both queens, indeed their kings, had thrown their all into designing this place to combat any threat to the well-being and safety of all aboard. It carried some of the very best the battle angels had to offer. The look on Celia's face as she entered the very clean and brightly lit medical centre full of beds and diagnostic tools. Not to mention colourful Xenos running around everywhere, tending to people. Well... Sometimes tending was a little different as Evident was locked on when her eyes locked onto something down the far end of the room. And Jack tracked her vision and at first scowled but then smiled when he saw one of the female Xenos with her back to the wall being kissed by a human male dressed in a hunter's uniform. form. Mac! Lilia, Honoured guests here! Better discretion please! He called out and the couple jolted like someone had just run a current through them breaking apart and saluting crisply and apologising before scurrying away to find some duties to attend to. Turning to Slay, he found her looking both curious and amused. "'Sorry about that. My people are both passionate about their loves, and they aren't exactly afraid to display it, and it can sometimes lead them to get a little carried away,' he said apologetically. "'No apologies necessary. We are guests here. But are you referring to humans?' What do you mean Clan Mason in general?' "'So asked curiously, and Jack laughed. "'Both, I guess,' Jack said, "'and suddenly Tick clamped her arm around his shoulders, "'giving him a squeeze, typical of Tick. "'She didn't care a single bit who knew she loved her husband, "'and she was definitely not shy about it either. "'Woman love is highly sought after thing where we come from. "'Most who have come to see joint Clan Mason,' have done so because we offer them something that is found in very few places anywhere else. Acceptance, she said, and Slea turned to look at her curiously. Acceptance? she asked. Tick nodded. Among my people, the Ajuta, to love another species is forbidden and a pain of death for you and disgrace for your family and clan. Worse if that species is considered by the majority to be a weak prey species like Ooman's are. But my Akia changed my life. Not because he is a dream warrior, but because he is a man, an ooman man. He did for me what no among my own kind has ever done. He loved me unconditionally, and he proved it over and over again. He fought for me. He fought to protect me, to save me, and to claim me. And no man has ever stood so tall and so proud before me before. I knew that in that instant everything i had taught and been taught was not only wrong but an outright lie designed to maintain the purity of my species to forbid us from ever experiencing things we never even dared to dream possible and just to accept our lot in life but now i refuse to accept the lies any longer my heart did not know it belonged my heart did not belong to my own kind it beat with a very different rhythm an human rhythm "'We knew that neither of our races would accept us as we are, really. "'The Ejuta are too narrow-minded, "'and humans were not just re- not ready for that kind of thing. "'So we broke away, and we formed our own clan,' Tick said proudly. "'Slea looked utterly stunned by this. "'So you both defied your species to form this clan?' she asked. "'I did, but Axe people are a different story.' "'They've only really truly just taken their first steps out into the cosmos. "'So, apart from a few enlightened ones, "'they don't know of our existence properly. "'Or of others, really,' Tick said, "'as they guided Salir over to a bio bed "'so the doctor could take a proper look at her. "'Instantly, Azina holding a pad and diagnostic scanning tools "'appeared and began to examine her. "'But there are so many humans here,' Saleer asked and Jack nodded. "'We, back when the clan started,' realised that there was nowhere near enough humans to keep up with the demand. We were getting defecting recruits from the Ajuta clans as word of what had happened aboard the Shadowclaw clanship clan involving our son and a trial by combat began to spread among them. Not to mention my wife's captive diaries were swiftly becoming the must-read literature for those seeking love outside of their own race, acting kind of like a battle cry to those who knew they were different and it began to ripple across Yezuda space, calling them to us. So we took steps to counter the flood of Yuzhuta coming to us, with the hope of finding a human love of their own. We created a challenge on my home world, and to those that succeeded and completed it, they were given the chance to join us. We took 10,000 humans from my home world in one hit. they stabilised things. And after that... We've maintained a healthy human population and of all the other races you see here too. We have pure-blood humans, pure-blood Yujuta, pure-blood Xenos and a mixture of all. Humans dating Yajuta, humans dating Xenos and as you just saw, each other. We don't discriminate on love at all. All are free with us. Jack said proudly and Salia looked impressed. The doctor was scanning her with a multitude of tools and images of her anatomy were appearing on the monitors all around them. Suddenly Jack noticed she appeared to be looking over his shoulder as he glanced back to see what his team were doing through their own medicals. Liam had been taken to the next biobed over and removed his upper armour because the scanners couldn't penetrate the reflective material it was made of. He was wearing a tight undershirt that had risen up revealing his toned flat stomach before he pulled it back down, before placing his armour pulling his armor down, stripping off his pants to reveal the shorts, as battle angels fussed all around him, scanning away. Jack turned back to her and saw she was flicking her long tongue out of her mouth as if she was tasting the air, and he could have sworn that she was aiming it towards Liam. We'd be more than happy to take you on a tour of our homeworld slayer, if you wish. Then you can see what we're saying is true. Dick said suddenly, and Slea snapped her attention back to her as if being snapped out of a happy daydream. I thank you for your offer, but I really must get back to my own people. By now my kidnapping has obviously been reported and trouble will most likely be brewing. It could lead to big trouble between us and the Scalphor if I'm not returned immediately, she said sounding regretful. Understandable. If you can provide us with the coordinates, we'll take you there immediately if you wish, Jack said and Slea nodded then she looked totally lost. Um, I'd have to look at your star charts to be able to find my world. But after that business is concluded, I'd very much like to visit your world. Sounds like a most fascinating place. I'd very much like to see this utopia-sounding place with my own eyes. In fact, I'm positive much of my people would very much like to meet yours on a much more official basis. They will most likely wish to send a contingent to your world and negotiate relations. I will request to be among them, I'd very much like to learn all about your people and your culture, Salia said, and Jack nodded. We'd like that too. We're always eager eager to meet new friends and potential allies, and to learn all about them. Knowledge and understanding makes us stronger, so once we get the star chart from the Scaliff Freight it compiled with our own, we'll be able to bring you to the bridge and show us exactly where we need to go. Is that acceptable to you? Jack said, and Selina smiled, brightly flicking her tongue slightly. That's fine, and thank you also. May I compliment you on your very enlightened attitude? Your species is fascinating, I must say, she said, and her face went solemn, and Jack noticed what had caught her attention. It was the young draconis male. He was sat on a bio-bed being examined what appeared to be a deeply concerned and anxious Zenos. There were four of them fussing all around him. And he was nervously looking at Annalise, who was stood next to him. Please don't return him to his people. I've never set eyes upon him before today, but even I can tell that poor boy has suffered greatly at the hands of his own. He deserves to know what freedom and choice are. Give him asylum with you, and if you can't, let us take him, or we'll give him the best among us that so we can. Slayer said, and Jack scowled for a moment. One moment, please, excuse me he said and he broke from them and walked over to the draconess spy who looked up at him both curiously and nervously jack reached out to him and gently the male shrank and looked to Anne lee's for reassurance it's okay sweetheart he won't hurt you this is the kindest man you're ever going to meet she said softly and the male didn't obviously have a clue what she was saying but he trusted her voice he leaned forward and Jack placed his hands on the male's cool scales, and with a flicker, his eyes flashed and changed colour as Jack connected their minds. Normally, Jack would ask someone's permission to see their memories, unless they were an enemy, but he wanted to see for himself what this male had been through and what his people were like. He also exchanged languages with him while he dove through his mind, and after only a phony few moments, Jack released him and placed his hands on his shoulders. His face was set into a pure look of rage and horror. He gently stroked the male's, whose name was Kelmar, on the head, and then he turned to face the room, noticing all eyes were on him. This is Kelmar Littlewing. I have seen his mind, and the horrors and indignities it contains, and for that I offer him my humblest apologies. It is not my way to take that which is not freely given, and I needed now to understand. And now I do. And from this moment on he is under the protection of Clan Mason. Never again will anyone lift a hand against him and have it go unanswered. If anyone ever harms him again it will be answered by Clan Mason. And we will not show mercy. As Grand Patriarch I hereby offer you asylum. From this moment on he is ours and we are his. He will live free. Jack said in a voice so powerful it shook the hearts of everyone in the room and cheers went up. Jack turned to look at the surprised Deco- looking Duconis who obviously understood every word he'd said now. He offered him his hand and Kelmar looked at it. Take my hand and be free Kelmar. Let us show you the true meaning of freedom. Jack said. What, well, What is freedom? He asked in a soft voice using English. The softness of sentences made Annalise's face crease and his true non-understanding hit her like a hammer blow. Jack smiled softly. Would you like to see it? he asked and Kelmar nodded. Jack turned to Annalise. Would you like to show him? he said and without hesitation Annalise stepped forward and gently took Kelmar's head in her hands and once again his eyes changed but this time to match her's. And by the look on his face and by the tears that began to stream down his face, making little rivers in the gaps between his scales, he was truly seeing it. When she let go, he blinked and looked between them. "'I, I can have this beautiful thing? It can be mine?' he asked in utter shock. "'All you have to do is say yes, and it will be yours, young one,' Jack said softly, and uh, Kelmar nodded. "'Yes.' Please, I want to be free, he said, and Jack nodded. He took a deep breath and planted a firm hand on his shoulder. Strength through unity, he began. Annalise instantly planted her hand on Kelmar's other shoulder. Unity through togetherness, she continued. Instantly Tickleeth appeared and planted her hand on top of her husband's, on Kelmar's shoulder. Togetherness through pure love she said. Ryan was next, planting his hand atop of both his parents. A love so pure it burns through all oh hear its call, he said. Liam placed his hand atop Annalise's, And hear its call, we do, he said. Shana placed her hand atop Ryan's. And answer that call honestly, we do, she said. Next up was a Zeno called Liv. She planted her hand atop Liam's. "'Humbled by its power we are,' she said. "'One after the other, the room joined, "'each of them placing a hand upon him. "'Humble and proud we stand, shoulder to shoulder. "'These are my brothers and my sisters. "'They stand for me as I stand for them. "'I am never alone, for wherever I am "'I carry my brothers and sisters with me as they carry me. "'My strength is theirs.' And theirs is mine. Together we are strong and we are free. For we are clan mason and we stand proudly together now and always. And together we welcome you, brother. The last part was said in complete unison by everyone gathered around him. And with that, Kelmar was swallowed in a huge group hug with him at the centre of it. The young Connors had never ever imagined anything like this in his life and he broke. He began to sob his young heart out as he was surrounded by a wall of love. "'Welcome, Kelmar Little Wing. "'As Grand Matriarch, "'I name you Kelmar Little Wing Mason. "'Wear this name with pride, little one. "'It is a symbol of your freedom,' she said. "'Thank you. "'Thank you all so much. "'No one has ever been this kind to me before,' "'Kelmar said.' Annalise, sort out our newest members with some quarters and make sure he's taken care of, will you? Ryan said, and the young team was saluted and nodded. The group separated and left Annalise to comfort the young Draconis, while battle angels began their work to see what they could do for his injuries. Jack and Tick headed back over to Salira who looked truly amazed. That's how you induct someone into the clan, Mason? She asked, looking curious, and Jack smiled and nodded. "'It's meant to show our unity. "'Every member of the clan knows it by heart. "'And if you're present at the induction, you join in. "'It's as simple as that. "'Every member of the clan is valued equally. "'Our strength is the clan, and the clan's strength is us. "'Every one of us,' Jack said proudly. Celia Z- looked impressed. "'The Xeno doctor had been examined and turned to Jack and Tick. "'She is vulnerable to some of our bacterium and viruses.' but nothing a broad-spectrum immunoshot can't deal with, which is perfectly safe for her to take. I'm not detecting anything that she has that our immune systems can't handle, but I would recommend an exchange of medical knowledge before heading down to the planet's surface, Grand Patriarch and Matriarch, she said. Permission to give you a shot to keep you safe? And don't worry, it's totally painless. We don't use needles, due to Xenos having acidic blood. Jack said and and nodded her consent. The young Xeno doctor gave her a hypospray shot and it was done. Other than some slight malnutrition and some scale sores from the manacles, which we can treat easily, Miss Diamond's scale is in good health. A good meal and a comfortable bed and a good night's she- sleep and she should be all good, the doctor said happily. and Jack nodded. OK, we're going to do a debrief while we run over the intel we've gathered from your ship. If you can provide us with the coordinates, we'll get you home. In the meantime, I'll appoint one of ours to guide you around. That acceptable? Jack asked and without single hesitation, Slea nodded. May I just make one request? She asked and Jack nodded. Of course, go ahead, he said and Slea pointed at Liam, who was now getting dressed in his armour again after completing his medical. I'd like to request him to show me around if you can spare him, she said and Jack grinned. Liam, you're on duty, looking after our guest here. Show her around and make sure she's taken care of, will you? He said, and Liam looked at him, turning his attention for poor who was looking at him, flicking her tongue repeatedly, making a very soft hissing noise every time she did. Um, sure, of course, boss. Okay, Lady Ambassador, if you'll follow me, I'll take you on a tour of the ship. Just need to get out of this armour into my regular uniform, if that's okay with you. "'Of course, Seeker, Liam. And please, call me Celia,' she said, slithering over to join him. "'Um, sure. Thank you. And please, call me Liam. I'm not exactly one for titles,' he replied and guided the the large serpent woman towards the exit. "'Are you hungry? The mess wall here is open 24 hours a day because there's always someone on duty, and we cater for three different species before hybrids, so I'm sure we'll have something to your taste.' Liam said I'm glad you brought it up although my species only eat every three to four days or so I'm ravenous so please lead on she said just like that they were gone though with the length of her tail it did take rather a long time to be fully gone anyway Jack turned a tick and she smiled at him it looks like our new friend made a friend she said and her smile widened I think she likes him Dick said, and Jack looked at her with a raised eyebrow. Seriously? We just met them. We don't even know if both species are even compatible yet, Jack said. Oh, they are. Our scans reveal that our species are essentially compatible with any species aboard. I'm sure it would be a little odd, essentially, as all the right equipment is there, and our reproductive organs are essentially compatible. Genetics are quite another question. But we've sampled it and will be transferred back to the hive for analysis, the Xeno doctor would examine her said upon hearing what they'd just said. Tick's smile got even wider, and Jack just laughed and sighed. Perhaps I should have told Liam to be on Ambassador-level Best Behaviour, he said, and Tick laughed. I think you could tell her that too, she said laughing, and Jack shook his head, pinching his brow and chuckling. She's probably just curious about us is all. Think about it. Not only she's meeting three new species all at once, but dream warriors as well. So by talking to Liam, she gets to learn about a species and a dream warrior too. He said, and Tick looked suddenly very sly. Care to make a bet? She asked, and Jack shook his head quickly. Not a fucking chance, my heart. I beat you fair and square, and you're not wriggling out of it by paying double or nothing. On something I have no control over, he said, and Tick roared with laughter. Can't blame a curl for trying, can you? She said with a shrug before clapping him on the shoulder. Come on, let's get to the bottom of this mystery. It's Scooby-Doo time, Jack said, and tick just looked confused. What in the name of pork is a Scooby-Doo? She asked, and now Jack roared with laughter. Never mind, my love, never mind, he said, and the pair headed for the bridge to get to work. Instead they'll have a mystery to solve and a serpent damsel in distress to return home after all. They really had their work cut out for them. But the first thing they had to do was get the hell out of here before anyone else decided to respond to the now non-broadcasting distress call. So they'd jump out of here and take cover in a nearby binary star system which could hide them from anything including long range scans while they had the time to work through the data they'd retrieved. They had a lot of work to do. And not a lot of time to do it in. So that was part five, ladies and gentlemen. They've met the Serpentinus and the Draconis. And they've got the mystery of a hijacked ship full of dead bodies to solve. But will they be able to find out where they go in time before anyone else shows up to attack? Will they be able to get Celia back home? And will Celia stop flicking her tongue at Liam? There can only be one way to find out the answer to those questions and so many more. Could have to tune in next time. So until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you all next time.